0: Back to behind our door. Hi, Julie. Hi, Nancy. Special guest today. We do have a special guest. I'm very excited to introduce my loving husband, Mike. Welcome, Mike.
1: Welcome, Mike. Thank you. It's a treat. I've never met Mike. No. And Julie and I have known each other a long time and never met each other's husbands. So it's a pleasure to meet you, you. And have you in our home here, our behind our door home.
0: Yeah. Um, the reason I asked him to come in, Nancy and I always talk about family members and how it affects other people. And um, I wanted to kind of gain some outside perspective on him coming into a family with my son um, and what his opinion was, what it is, how it, you know it's, it's transpired over the years and how things have changed. For those that don't know, I was a single parent, For many, many years. Um, I was not married. I was never married. And raising my son alone, when I say alone, I don't mean really alone. I was very fortunate in the fact that I had some very wonderful parents who supported me and supported him. And boy, if he spent as much time at their house as my house, you know, I feel like he was really raised in two homes. He used to joke about that, like, I have two homes. And he really did. Um, so I was real fortunate in that. Um, one of the other things is, you know, when you're a single parent, it puts a lot of added pressure on you because there's no one else to take off that, whatever it is like, Oh, we need milk. Well, you have to go get the milk. No one's going to get the milk for you. You have to go get the milk or you're out of diapers. Someone has to get diapers. No, you have to get diapers. Um, when my son was getting diagnosed and then diagnosed, I found out that it was really interesting to to navigate the dating game, right? Um, how do you approach somebody and say, Hi, my name's Julie, and uh, my son suffers from bipolar disorder. <laughs> That's not going to get you a lot of suitors coming at your door. I can tell you that. But it caused me a lot of anxiety in in the dating world. It truly, I mean... I could feel it when I sat there at a date, like that's, that's really all I could think about for a long time was like, are they going to ask about my kid? Are they, what are they going to ask? How do I answer it? When do I tell them? How long do I wait? Um, And needless to say, I stay single for a long time. (laughs) And to be honest, it wasn't really about that. It was just that I feel like my emotional capacity was not at the level to have somebody else come into my life. I was so focused on my son and helping him. And, and working, you know. And a working full time. Demanding, yeah, a demanding yeah. job. Mm-hmm. That I just didn't have the emotional capacity to really have anyone else and to, to really love anybody else the way they should be loved. And so five years ago, right? Five years ago?
1: Yep.
0: <laughs> um, I met Mike and we started talking and for some reason, we immediately got on the topic of kids, our kids. And I told him about my son. And I remember his reaction was he didn't really have a reaction.
1: (laughs) That's a good reaction.
0: I know. And I thought, hmm, this might work. (laughs) I'm going to snowball him and then he's going to want to marry me. No. Um, But but truly, um, I, I was kind of blown away by, I could tell by the way he talked about his own daughters, um, what a great father he was, how compassionate he was. And that's truly what attracted me to him. I mean, obviously, he's also a very good-looking man, but um, that's really what what attracted me to him. And so um, I guess the first question is, what did you think when I said um, my son suffers from bipolar disorder.
2: To be quite honest, I mean my first reaction was not knowing much about it. So I it was more questions of what is bipolar. And I I think we had some conversation, just some generic conversation of what what is it and what does that mean. And my two cents at the time was it sounds like a struggle. And it was not that it was interesting but it was it was different it was not something that i was familiar with so it was more something i wanted to, to really learn more about and, and that's kind of i think what took us down the, the next path of the next conversation is what what does that mean to be bipolar and then what does that what does that look like in in your life because it wasn't something i was familiar with
0: yeah and i and i must add that at at this time, my son was already in residential treatment. I
1: was just going to ask, was he living with you?
0: I can't remember five years. No, he was already in, right? So he was right. not. Yeah. Your, he
1: wasn't in your day to day. You hadn't met him right away, and
0: yeah, mm-hmm. which it, which also speaks to the fact that I feel like in my life that was kind of the first time I was able to take a yeah, breath. Yeah, I'm just
1: going to say, no coincidence that mm-hmm. he could actually think straight and
0: think about you and mm-hmm. a little bit more. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't remember the timeline, but it was quite some time, I think, until I met him.
0: Yeah, I was pretty protective of him um, in the dating world. I didn't, I didn't bring anybody in the house, but to be a honest lot with of, you. You
1: know, that's a lot of parents, though. I mean, that you wait a while to, um, if it's relationships where ki- kids are e- on either side. A lot of times you hear that, you know, even taking the mental illness out of this conversation, that it takes a while to have this, you know, your kids introduced to that person. Yeah. So some of that is is the protocol of, you know, the way it goes.
0: Right.
2: But I think that was a lot of a learning experience for me is as Julie and I got to know each other more and started to spend more time together, obviously the phone rings. So you, you hear that interaction or even to, an, to another extent, a lot of the the peer support and other things that, that I think um, Julie does a great job with, you start to hear those interactions. So for me, it was, it was more um, just continuing to understand, continuing to learn, see what those interactions were like. And mm-hmm. I mean, like Julie said, my fortunately, I have two great daughters. I co-parent with my ex-wife, who's an amazing mother. And I didn't. I really was fortunate. I didn't have that experience. I wasn't, I wasn't exposed to that. So yeah. It was a. It was a that new thing for me.
1: And and a lot of times we've said, you know, you don't really know what this journey is like unless you've experienced it. And I also have that experience with one of my kids. And uh, so you're hearing this, you know, this sort of, I'm sure, tense voice. Like when things happen, it was it's a roller coaster. It's, um, I'm sure that was probably tough to hear, that it just wasn't a friendly, normal conversation on the other end.
2: But that, that was probably the hardest thing for me to understand was, A, not understanding the whole, the whole uh, bipolar disease was, how do you get these very unstable times? Like, from one second, it was a great conversation mm-hmm. of things are great, and then it could be 90 minutes later, and that was a whole different conversation. And that for me, that was very difficult to comprehend because I just didn't understand that. Mm-hmm. And me.
1: obviously you care for this person. I'm pointing at Julie right now. <laughs> it's when you care for somebody, it's hard to he- see them go through this like, <gasps> uh, you know, these, mo- these difficult times, which difficult with a capital D.
0: Yeah, I think the other aspect of it that scared me was obviously he does have children and I wasn't sure how he would react that, oh, my God, you have someone that's sick. And now you're going to expose them, you know, because when you think of mental health, I mean, what was your experience prior to that? Things you've seen in the media, things you've...
2: I had no experience. I mean, in, quite honestly, it was more ignorance. I mean, I just, you, it's the old adage of you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And my my background was more suck it up and drive on. And that's just how you, you went about it. So there, fortunately, I wasn't really a part of, of anything like that.
0: Right. And you know, having these conversations on the phone with my son, um, and seeing his reaction in the background was—what well, was his reaction? It could be—it could be challenging because I could—I could read his face, and you could see that he was getting mad because of the way my son would speak to me, right?
2: Yeah, it was very—it was tense because mm-hmm. your your first reaction is one of uh, protection mm-hmm. for the person that, that you love. But the other side of it was, you're also trying to understand what is happening. Like, like what I'm always trying to find the why. So, so why is this happening, and how can I fix it? I have that mm-hmm. fix it personality of, okay, it's broke, let's let's mm-hmm. let's fix which, it and move on.
1: Which is, it, I don't know if this is an awful thing to say on a national podcast, but it, it's kind of uh, a generalization or stereotype of men. Many times, I mean, they're the fix it. They're mm-hmm. um, They are, I mean, my husband, we, you know, our son, we started to really have some issues when he was 13 to realize it was, ended up being bipolar disorder, but there was, you know, uh, you know, here he was immersed in this from the beginning, and he still had that, you know, when he was like 17, listen, just, this isn't acceptable, and this is, you know, kind of that fix it, this is just not acceptable kind of thing until he really down the road learned this is a uh, roller coaster we're all on and that it is an illness and we all learned it together. But I think men are your protectors and fixing, you know, that mentality of let's fix it. So some of that is, you know, a learning curve.
0: Yeah. I, I will say um, that his family, in my eyes, I don't know what the conversations were behind the scenes, but they were very welcoming very welcoming to my son, very open to hear and listen about him, and very non-judgmental. Um, and I think that speaks to the parenting he and his ex-wife do. Um, they're just like you know they're they're good souls in that that they it felt like they didn't teach him bias mm-hmm. growing up. Um, and I don't know what that conversation looked like, but you can maybe speak to more. How do you break that to... Hey, I have this new girlfriend and she's really great and her son suffers from bipolar. How do you have that conversation? Did you have that conversation?
2: Yeah, I think the conversation, it was very vague. I mean, one of the things that I try not to overdo is I want, I want them to see their, get their own opinion. Yeah. I mean, my opinion is Smart. my opinion and I want them to, obviously I guide them or I probably am over opinionated if they were sitting here and asking if you ask that, but uh, I I really didn't preface a whole lot. And quite honestly, at the time, I had not really had a lot of exposure except for the phone conversations. Right. So it it was, I'm not sure when, but probably considerably longer before we actually took our first trip.
0: Yeah. Um, We took a trip to California um, to see him where he was in residential. Treatment, right? Um, now you have to remind me because my memory is not so great anymore. Was that the time we were bringing the parents? I brought my parents or no?
2: I don't remember either. But <laughs> <laughs> I think the first time I met your son physically was we were, uh, we had visited him in the treatment center and we took him to uh, the beach. Where we had taken a mini vacation.
0: Yeah. And um, it was really... Uh, Quite the experience, I would say, because my son fell in love with him Aww. immediately. You know, when I, I, I thinking back, I do think it was with my parents. We were going to have kind of like uh, a family reunion, sort of. Sorts. We have relatives out there too, so I didn't want to overwhelm him. We didn't bring everybody in all at once, but I I believe that um, I brought him in. He was out there on a work trip, and uh, we went more one on one, and and he had some time with them. I think the interaction went, went great. And to be honest, I was, I was really, I don't say I was shocked. I w I wasn't shocked. My, my son is very charismatic. He's very funny. He's very, um, but I, I think that was the first time I felt like, okay, this is going to be okay. Like this relationship is going to be okay.
2: Yeah. I walked away from it, taking a double take and looking back at Julie and saying, what, what's the problem? like because his his demeanor was outstanding he was mm-hmm. gregorious, he was a, he's full of life and i, I thought he was a, reg, it. a regular kid yeah in, in. but
1: also on your end you came in with this um like your reaction when julie first told you you're you know you were open minded thinking okay what is this and um you know not really coming in with a whole attitude about this no, which I think, helps
2: i think my words were what's up my man and we just kind of <laughs> yeah. took off from there, and it was very, there was no expectation. So I, I don't think he had a big expectation. I didn't have an expectation. It was more get to know one another, and it, it really surprised me of, like, who was that kid that was on the phone just six weeks ago or whatever it was, and then who was this young know, man that I'm meeting today? It couldn't have been more different.
0: Right. <laughs> which, right. Is,
1: which is the definition of the whole journey mm-hmm. of bipolar disorder. Um, or a lot or a lot of it is that you know one minute person can be a charmer mm-hmm. and every bit of smart and charismatic like you say mm-hmm. and then they you know take a dive and it's a whole different thing so that was an education right in front of you
0: yeah and their personalities are, are similar in the fact that they're very funny and you know they're both outgoing and quick-witted and so they played off of that and my, my son truly made a connection with him like he, Loved him. He could not wait to get us married. I mean, he would say it every single day, like, "You have to marry him. You have to marry him." I said, "Well, he has to ask me first. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if he's there yet. So, let's pump the brakes on that." And then, so then we went out um, again on another vacation out there, and you know, the residential treatment wasn't like a lockdown facility. It wasn't like in jail, and. Mm -hmm. You know, we could take him out for weeks at a time. And um, that that vacation went a little differently because prior to me coming to see him, it, he built up a lot of anxiety. He had, you know, he's very excited. He wants to show us everything and everything he's done and all his friends he's made. And, um, you know, the anxiety really sets in, and he doesn't really sleep a lot either. So we went out there, and I think... Boy, I don't even remember what we did the first day, but I don't think it was that much. And then he slept.
2: Yeah, I think he was very excited for us to get there, so we got there. I think we picked him up. We went to, we'd rented an Airbnb right on the beach, so he was very excited about that. Probably went to eat, and then that, that day, I think we came back and he went to sleep, and he might have slept for a day. And, yeah. And then mm-hmm. it was, by that time, uh, I think we had, had plans for different different things we were gonna do and that kind of derailed some of it because he just he was out and out and there, there was no mm-hmm. there wasn't any waking him up or anything else and that that was really my first experience with the other side if you will uh, because then there was a lot of like lashing out and just going back and forth with with Julie and that that was something I certainly was not uh, not accustomed to and, and that was hard to Hard to hear, hard to deal with, and I'm not one who has a ton of patience. And that was very difficult for me just to to hear it and just know that you have to just deal with this.
1: So when you say you just had to deal with it, were you, did you sort of, I don't know if the two of you talked about it or not, did you have, um, did you step out of the situation entirely, step to the side and have just Julie and her son interact or did you say join in the conversation and say don't talk to her like that? Or how did you? No, this was this was, our, that? this
2: was our first go around at this, and a I didn't feel it was my place to mm-hmm. to be a disciplinarian or, or to do anything like that. So I literally just kind of stood in the background and really watched watched her interaction, watched his interaction, and I kind of played it more from a. I don't know, safety standpoint, or I just, I didn't feel my interjecting or my getting involved would probably only make the situation worse. Mm -hmm. So I just, I kind of stepped back.
1: I mean, that's, I think that's a, it's a good thing to do and it's, you know, to not just step in and all of a sudden play the father or the, you know, the author the authority in that situation. But it happens, you know, there's other situations where, it just isn't like that, and um, the person who's just stepped into the family, whether it's on either side, if they're spouses or partners or what have you, they sometimes can't contain themselves and step in. And I get, I've gotten calls over the years about that of just, um, you know, people seeking help for themselves, you know, in relationship counseling because it's just blown into such a nightmare. But that's great for you to come in with that understanding. I mean, that's the best case scenario. Right that situation.
0: Well, again, it's not like he knew anything about it. He didn't really get it, but he was learning it as as uh-huh. we went along, and he was he was open to it. And we had many many conversations, um, and I I think I think he was really getting it.
2: And Julie, how old was your your son at this time when you guys were first meeting?
0: Twenty five. Okay. Twenty four.
2: And how do you think your expectations of Mike would have been different if he were younger. Would you have still wanted him in the same kind of hands-off role?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because the problem coming in with a step-parent is that they don't they don't know the history, right? Right. And they can't walk in and be a disciplinarian. That's never going to work. Although I suppose if you're living in the same household, there has to be some w- yeah, some boundaries that, that you set up.
1: I was just going to say that that's when that really explodes into that when it's day to day under the same roof it's different than that your situation of going Mm -hmm. you know a long distance to see this son of yours and being in a different a neutral environment Mm -hmm. but when you step into um the the house that's already set up with that mother and son or or vice versa it's tough it's a different I think it's a whole different challenge
0: Oh, 100%. -hmm. Especially the growing pains that my son went through. I used to call him the Tasmanian devil because (laughs) you flip that light switch and everything in the house was going up for grabs. And it's hard to explain to somebody who's never experienced mental health issues with a loved one like, "Mm, this is like a seizure. Mm -hmm. Like what you're seeing is, I know it looks scary, but it's really just like a seizure. Like it's going to blow over. And as long as he doesn't hurt himself or hurt us, it's fine. Let him tear apart whatever he needs to, the walls, the doors. I mean, Lord, I fixed everything in our house. But, um, but, but being from an outside perspective, I'm not sure if you were put in that situation how you would have handled
2: it. I don't know that I could handle that, to be quite honest. I mean, it, from, a, from a stress standpoint and just a, a mental makeup of wanting, you harvest a lot of anger. I mean, to be quite honest, it, it was you want to fix it, but when you don't have a civil conversation like you would normally, there is no fix to it. So you're, you're on this constant treadmill of like, OK, what goes next? And I think Julie's analogy of it's like a seizure it's, or a seizure is probably very accurate because it does. pass. It's just a matter of it's almost like a game of who can who can outlast the other mm. be, before something happens and I don't know. I mean, that's a tough question. Yeah. Whether you going back to, to that level, but that I think that would be very difficult. Yeah. That's a very honest answer. Agreed. And realistic.
0: Agreed. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, he obviously progressed, um, well with his medication management and, and did really well for a long time. So, we're very fortunate that he really got to see like I, I say like my my real kid, you know, the, the one that's loving and fun and charismatic and we got to spend some great time and I was very blessed that we went and spent time with his family and his girls were <laughs> they love him. Like they thought he is so funny and um, you know, his mother has kind of um, she worked in the special needs room, right? And yes. So she had a lot of understanding of where I was coming from and who I was. And uh, I, f- I find a lot of comfort in his mom and spending time with her. Um, Are your
1: girls older than he is?
2: No, younger.
0: Oh. Yeah. Younger. Both younger. Interesting. But I will say through this journey that they've they've really come, come out kind of like advocates.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it's. We kind of joke about it now, but I mean they, we, they we did spend time together and just phone and, and back and forth and it was uh, so that that had went on for quite some time and I mean there was probably a good two years mm-hmm. uh, I would say where there was still uh, there were still things that happened from time to time, but for the most part it was a, it was a pretty decent decent time where we were interacting quite quite frequently and I think from my perspective uh julie's son I, we were talking quite frequently yeah when i I was living in philadelphia and uh, for work we would speak quite often and even got him into school and and doing a lot of other uh, things were very positive
0: yeah he really tried to take a good role model position with him and and influence him into positive aspects and i think my son um he does have a father um I don't know how much I can even go into that. His father has a substance abuse problem, continuous, for many, many years. And so their relationship has not been the best. It's been very hostile over the years. And I think Mike was the dad he was really looking for. Um, The sad part to to that is if you listen to us, you know that I don't have any communication with him Mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. So we really lost that connection, and he cut Mike out pretty quickly when he became unstable. I mean, um, you I mean you can tell a story, you try to reach out and
2: Yeah, I, I tried to reach out several times and I think I became the voice of truth. And the voice of truth was not what he wanted to hear at yeah. that time. So I assume and, and I whether it's the right reaction or not the right reaction, I really struggled with how much of this is disease or a a problem that you have and how much of this is i mean i'll be quite honest laziness like that there's there's a boundary here of you have every capable sense in you to go out and be that person that you you strive to be but and and i think when the medication was right and his mindset was right we, we were right there i mean we had the the schooling was going on we were looking for jobs doing different things and then it was like flip the switch and there there was no more. But my what I didn't do was like bow down or what was me type of conversation because I didn't think it was, was productive. And as as we went through that stage when in, I'm not positive, but I think probably as the medication started to, to change or he, he stopped taking them. He, stopped, he, taking he, he stopped taking them. That was not something that is it what that he wanted to hear. And I didn't I didn't go down that that road
1: coupled with i'm sure that you're protecting julie in the way of it's hard to see him almost really abuse verbally abusing and all that it's hard to see her go through this tough tough stuff as a mother
0: yeah that that became a a real interesting dynamic i think in our relationship that i've realized um many years later is that i didn't realize how much validation i need (laughs) and um he has really taught me that because <clears throat> I don't know how you how you say it, but you're always like, why are you always seeking or why are you always looking for whatever it is? And I never realized I was doing it. But when he pointed out, it was like, I do do that. Like, I, I need that consistent validation because I felt like for so many years I was a failure as a mother, that it's now transcending into my relationship. And so, um, obviously, I, I've been going to therapy for years, so I do work with my therapist on that. But,
1: but to get this outside <clears throat> objective mm-hmm. person saying, this isn't your fault, right. or this isn't, is so important.
0: Sure, because logically you know mm-hmm. that there's something wrong, but your heart is breaking yeah. all the time. And so my, Mike now knows, like, if I have a conversation with him um my son I'm talking about and it's not going well that he has to let me simmer (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because if he jumps in and says anything it's just going to raise like I'm going to have a whole full-blown anxiety attack
1: I I was just going to ask you what with the the question to the two of you what would you give um as far as advice to people that are listening to this that are saying yeah that's us um you know step parents involved um, same kind of thing, a family member, whether it's a child or young adult or adult adult, um, and trying to make it work out. Parents, well you know I'm you know I look at it too of parenting with my husband. I'm just saying right now talking about someone who's coming in mm-hmm. in the middle of this or you know in between the journey while the journey's already begun as you have 25 you've, you came into this 24 years into it. And so what would you, to people that are, you know, you guys really have a good thing going on. I mean, as far as your communication and this has had its major bumps in the road, but, you know, for the people that are saying, you know, we're like every day screaming at each other over this and I, you know, it's just, it's, it can break people up, you know, easily. We've all heard that a million times over. What is some advice that you guys would give to the people listening? <laughs>
2: My advice to—I mean, Julie used the, the term. I think simmer down. I have to let her simmer down. My, my take on that is, you, for me, I just shut up. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you're not—you're not gonna—you're not, gonna, not gonna add any value when they're when you're in the heat of the battle. And so, it's probably taken me uh, forty-five years to figure that out in just general. But overall, that's just—we're too we we're two very competitive, very. Uh, type A personalities that you, it's like the Clash of the Titans. So you, you just have to kind of let it let it go and even take when a step back.
1: Even when you were saying you know a minute ago saying that you looked at this as you know looking at her son as you have all the the capabilities and the you know if you just in other words if you just took your medication or you just uh, turn things around yourself you know that frustration. Even when you're all these things are in your head, you don't say it. You're just keeping it. Like there's a point where you're saying you draw the line. Like, shut up, Mike.
2: There's a time and a place. I guess is mm-hmm. what I have probably learned yeah. over time. Is we will definitely have the conversation. It's just not in the heat of the moment. Yeah, it's, it's more so take That's a step. Take a step back and, and wait for that to happen. And I think the other side of it, from a supportive standpoint, and it was hard for me to to get into this regiment, but you're you're human and for for julie or even myself to listen to what's being said all the time you become that person that you're told that you you are in a lot of what you and i talk about are just telling her like this is not this isn't you that this is this is a different side you have to separate from that so as much as she does a great job with counseling others and, and everything else. It's, it's in your house. It, it's you, and mm-hmm. you're, you're not, you're not Superwoman. Right. And I think that that becomes the, the real mantra to what it is.
0: Right. That's such good advice. Yeah. I think, I think our communication is definitely key in our relationship. We talk about everything, and I think at some point I said to him, "It's not that I don't respect your opinions. It's not that I don't want to hear it. It's not. I need space." Mm-hmm you have to give me that time and and I have to be able to process it whatever that looks like and then you can come back at me because I think initially he would be like he should or you should or yeah you nice. know and mm-hmm. I'm like listen I don't need parenting advice right now I just need you to be my soft place to land I need you to whatever it is hold my hand stroke my hair give me a hug or or just just let me lay on the couch and watch Housewives. That's my coping mechanism. <laughs> um, and and we'll and we'll get through this. But then we can come back and, and communicate about it and, and talk about it and and share about how I'm feeling and then how he's feeling. And I'm more receptive to because you always forget when you're in the in the crisis. I don't know if this happens with you and your husband, but like this isn't about you. It's about yeah. me. Right, and so you forget that they obviously have feelings, yeah, and it's affecting them. Um, but in the heat of the moment, I, I'm not even thinking about well, him, which sounds so selfish. Yeah, but
1: but but it's interesting you should say that. And I guess this is the title the the title of this episode will be marriage. But um, <laughs> but the interesting thing about us, when you say that, is that the two of us are in it. There's no mm-hmm. step parent that came along in the middle of this, and so we are in this journey from the beginning. And that's really just good advice overall to just have everyone step back because there are times where the heat is on and you're not getting anywhere. You're not going to accomplish anything with some of those major conversations with intense heat on that. Right. And so when you're both in it 50-50 because you've been in it from the beginning and uh, it's not geared towards one person, There's not one person trying to recover from something. Um, To take a step back is is hard to do, but it's good advice.
0: Right. And just, you know, I mean, you're not making it better. Right. Well, and I think there is the other dynamic, too, of he felt like he wasn't going to put that burden on me about what he was feeling. And I think I needed to know that. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is, if you're mad, if you're angry, if you're, I have to, I have to know that because I have to understand that because you're my husband and I want this relationship to work. So do you think you did that or you did not do that?
2: I think just to some extent, and it's more so just keeping it to, letting it play out. And I think the conversation that you can have later is a whole lot more productive than Absolutely. the conversation you have in the heat of the moment in, in my my defense mechanism is humor, so everything is we keep it light. I mean, it, you're you're not going to change it, so you just you have to deal with the cards you're dealt. So how do you make the best of it, and how do you at the end of the day laugh at yourself, laugh at the, yeah. the situation? Sometimes, right. as much as it's not funny, you, you, you're going to drive yourself stir crazy. So you you just have to take a step back and deal with reality.
1: Yeah, and and people that are listening that. you know, going through this and have uh, either a shared child or, you know, someone who's come into the picture, it takes a long time to get to this point. I mean, at the beginning, when you have a young kid or a teenager that's just starting to to show symptoms of issues that are getting more serious, um, it's hard to have this Calm. Okay, let's take a step back. I mean, it's... <laughs> it's, not that, it's not... It's not I
2: don't think it's that easy. But, no. Because I, no, I have no right. patience. And to this day, Julie will tell you that it right. gets a little We're, But a it's little even... Intense.
1: It's less easy at yes. that beginning when yes. the heat is on and it's like any issue that you're parenting together and it's when when all of a sudden things aren't going your way and you don't know and you're terrified. You don't know what's going on and mm-hmm. or else you're frustrated or you're mad Um You know, I don't have to, this isn't news to anybody, but uh, it takes a while. It takes um, some understanding and also when some of the shock wears off of things are not going to, the path isn't going to be what we thought it was going to be. Right. You know, that's, um, it takes a while.
0: Right. And that's, that's kind of how we live. Like we live in the moment because we don't know what's going to happen with him today, tomorrow. Yeah. You know, three weeks from now. Um, The other dynamic is we, we have two other children in our lives. Um, And I think that also took him a long time to not share their successes so much with me. Oh, that's interesting. Because I, you can speak to this for yourself, but I think you felt like I was going to be, I don't think resentful is the right word, but I think, I think you feel bad because don't you ultimately have this picture of your life and your child and you want them to, you know, and then you get mad because you're watching these other successes with other people's children. Like Mm -hmm. I want my kid to be doing that.
2: That was a struggle. And the the struggle wasn't not wanting to share the successes of my kids. It it was more so you you don't want to throw it in the face of of someone who's struggling like that. So I wanted to make sure that I was cognizant of that. And I probably to to a fault because I, I stopped, not that I would stop sharing, but I wouldn't share a limit. I, I would limit what I shared on like, uh, positive stuff with my one daughter playing volleyball or my other daughter in college, things of that nature that I knew that unfortunately Julie doesn't have that experience in knowing all the conversations that we've had, how much she thrives for that and how much she looks at, at my situation. And I didn't, I didn't want to make the situation worse and make her, feel bad so we that that i I struggle with that to this day
0: yeah and i keep telling him i want to hear it and he it's a hard dynamic to understand like i am really happy for them and i want to see them succeed and thrive in life and i'm going to be their biggest cheerleader and you know but there's always going to be that part of me that is um uh, hurting yeah you know
1: parents compare so much anyway i mean it's just that you know yeah. Even taking the mental illness out of it, it's a hard thing, but um, but between the two of you, I guess it's you saying, you know, it's such a different situation that you're in with your son. You yeah. can't, you can really, can hardly compare, Right, and I can see how you'd say, I really want to see them succeed. It's just such a different category of life.
0: Right. So I'm like, you know, I give myself permission to um, have some pity parties once in a while, and... Um, you know it has it has no reflection on on him or his mm-hmm. children or his family or it's just something that i have to go through that i am going to have to struggle with for the rest of my life you know i think one of the biggest issues that i i struggle with all the time is family vacations like it becomes a whole thing because that's something he's done with his family for years and it's wonderful but for a long time um up until this year actually because we don't have communication with him it was like well i wanted to come but i don't know how he's going to be and we don't know if he's really so
1: what would you do did he go on those vacations or not he
2: we, we went on separate vacations a couple times you mean
1: he, the two of you with him and then the two of you with your daughters yeah
2: yeah and then uh well the wedding was a perfect example yeah I mean there, where he came to the wedding. And Your goes, wedding. Yeah. Yes, our wedding. It was great.
0: Yeah, it, it really worked out, but I'm always... Right. It, an edge about it. edge. Your stress that's,
2: level wasn't great, but no. every, everyone else had a good time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the honest yeah. to God truth. Like, I'm always waiting for the, the other shoe to drop, and I don't... And I guess you can never really prepare for it, but I'm always like, okay, if A happens, I'm going to do B, and if B happens, I'm going to do C, and that's just how my mind works. So um, going on vacation with him, when we're not taking him, creates this whole other thing, like, I want him to be here, I don't know, he's not here, like, he's missing these moments, and my terrible mom, you know, I never got to take him to Disneyland or Disney World or, or anything, um, you know, and that guilt, Constant guilt flows through.
1: But with with the expectations like that of the vacations and all of that, I've just I have a whole different view over the many years of it's not written down, it's not like you thought it would be and that also can be a good thing, you know, to not have the exact sure. plan and it's okay. This is part of the journey of it all. It's yeah. just not, you know, it's not gonna be storybook way that you thought it would, and that's life. Right, and I feel like with the two of you, you didn't expect to find this nice, wonderful man here, and that's part of it too. You know, you didn't no, expect did to not. have this blended, uh, great situation.
0: No, I'm, I'm, I'm truly lucky because you know he's not just my husband; he's my biggest supporter and my best friend. So, and he is handsome. God. <laughs> <Cut. laughs> Well, thank you, husband, Mike, for being on the show and giving your point of view. I think it will help a lot of our behind-our-door family. Um, and I always say it, just knowing they're not alone, I think, is one of the biggest struggles in the world, like just not being alone. And Absolutely. Uh, I think you've exemplified that for people. Thank you so much for sharing with us.
2: Thank you for having me. It was fun.
0: Don't forget, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We welcome your input. To contact us or any of our guests, please email us at mail.com. That's mail.com. And please don't forget to like and share our podcast. Um, leave us a rating. Tell us how we're doing. We really want your feedback. It's important to us. We are so thankful that you are here and listening to us. If you or someone you know is in
1: crisis, struggling with mental illness, you can call the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or the NAMI Helpline at 1-800-950-6264. Until next time, please join us for another conversation behind our door. Thanks for listening.